welcome to episode four of the EdTech Distilled podcast. Uh, just a little opportunity for a couple guys to have a drink, talk about education, technology, chat with experts of all walks of life. My name is Adam Geisen, and with me as always, David Lurch. Dave, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Adam. How are you? I am absolutely wonderful. And speaking of experts, we've got a serious game changer with us tonight. Eric Kurtz joining us from Ohio. Eric? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is fantastic. Well, we really, really appreciate you joining us uh, yes. tonight. We think that this will give us real legitimacy in the world of <laughs> oh <my> podcast. <laughs> if yeah. we, can, uh, we can say, well, Eric Kurtz is on episode four, right. so you got to listen to it now. If, if nothing else, we can throw that out and tell people, look, you should listen to us because Eric Kurtz was on. Well, that'll, I mean, that's probably going to easily get you five, six more listeners. <laughs> hey, so, that's that's uh, more more than one. Ooh, we'll take it. That may double our current subscriber <laughs> list. <laughs> well, we're getting started. We're excited. And really, this is as much for us probably as it is for anybody else. So we're we're uh, excited to have the opportunity just to kind of chat with you and, and with mm-hmm. the other folks that, that know what we're talking about. Um, and we're pumped about that. So Eric, again, like I said, thanks so much for joining us. We won't take too much of your time, but Hopefully we'll we'll enjoy a little drink together and, and chat about some stuff. Um, so we'll start out with uh, just start some new updates that are coming up. And uh, we've kind of mentioned over these last uh, few episodes that, you know, Google's throwing out some new stuff. And we're going to talk a little bit about some updates there. There's a couple other cool things that have just sort of popped up either in the Twitter sphere or um, some other places. We'll also chat about the first thing we've got uh, are two new uh, things that have been added to Google. Um, one is in Docs, which it's interesting that they uh, they kind of popped up within the last week. And it's always interesting to see when the updates show up for certain people and other people. We're just talking about this off the air, um, that I'm seeing an update that other people aren't. I don't know about you guys. I'm in the new Meet UI this evening as well. I don't know if you guys have it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, yes. Eric, you got it. Oh, you've got yep. it too, Dave? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not that cool. Then I guess I thought uh, I was. Never mind. Really then I don't have it. I'm actually I'm actually recording this on a potato, so I'm really. Okay. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> so you don't have it yet. Okay. No, no, so I don't know. I'm, what, yeah. I'm I'm still using Hangouts on Air. Are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that still exist? Oh my God, that is so 2007. <laughs> that's a that's an EdTech joke that uh, you, uh-huh. you. Yep, that's an insider. <laughs> That'll kill in certain areas. Yes. Oh yes. yes. Uh, Very niche audiences. Hey, and next we'll talk about Dungeons and Dragons. So that's right. There you go. <laughs> we already had that conversation. We'll have. We already. Do. We already did. We're, yep. I'm sure we're, we're, we're down. We're down to two listeners now. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we started strong, Eric. That's right. Yeah, yeah, taking back all the gains we made. Uh, <laughs> Unsubscribe. Yep. Um, so the first update that we're talking about, new checkboxes in Google Docs. So this is uh, a new feature that just recently popped up, which I'm surprised it took so long. But at the same time, I kind of understand it because uh, Google Keep is such an amazing checklist keeper mm-hmm. and something that I use to organize just about everything in my life. Yep. Um, and never really thought that the checkbox was something that Docs needed. But now that it's there, I've already used it like three or four times on certain things mm-hmm. so i don't know if you guys have seen it yet either yeah i'm i'm really happy that they added that it used to be there was sort of a workaround you could do um you could use the bullet list and then you could change the bullet to uh boxes and you could check them but it was quite difficult you had to like do a right click on them and then a second click and then it would you could switch it over to a checkbox because 
really it was just like switching out like the emoji for a box with an emoji for a checkbox, you know. Um, but it wasn't just a simple checkbox list, which um, can be great for students yeah. to be able to, you know, keep track of their tasks. Maybe that document is a hyperdoc. And, you know, they're working through things and at the top there's a checklist of things they need to accomplish and as they go through, they can physically check them off. Now, yeah. certainly we can do check boxes and sheets and keep, as you mentioned. Uh, uh, it's awesome that we've got that now in Docs. My workaround usually was to print the list off and then just use a pen to mark the boxes, but that doesn't always work. Sure. Because I leave my lists in all sorts of different places. They're floating around my house and who knows where else. Well, and something that's funny that Eric says there was a workaround. I think that's what Google is moving away from because I think we all right. know all of the workarounds and the extensions to use. And it's just funny to see how those things are becoming less and less important to know because they're uh, adapting those without those. So, Yeah, I think a lot of people have uh, have made a name for themselves using you know the idea of workarounds and, and that's the creative side of it. Um, of using Google stuff is the ability to find different ways mm -hmm. to use things that, uh, that I think are cool. Short story. I have a friend who just applied for a job and she's doing it. Um, she's working, hopefully going to get this job with um, our learning technology center, which is sort of the, an offshoot of the school board, uh, the state school board that does technology stuff for school districts and, and all around the state. It's pretty cool. Anyway, part of the interview was for her to do a five minute um, like tech presentation. And so we kind of went back and forth with some ideas. And one of her ideas was using Google Slides in order to create, um, like, I can't think of it. Oh, like choose your own adventure stories. Yeah. Uh, which I've seen with forms, but with slides, it was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, like of all the topics you can talk about, I think that's a good one because it's something new and creative and mm -hmm. a different way to use, uh, you know, the tools that we're all so used to. Um, so I think that, that, I think you're right, though. I think we're starting to see Google say okay enough with the workarounds and let's just start using these things yeah um add those cool features you know plus it also is um providing better fidelity when people transfer documents from for example word over mm -hmm. to uh google workspace which you know it could be the case you could have a school that's adopted uh, the uh, google suite of tools and maybe teachers have you know years you know, uh, dozens of years, who knows how much uh, of, you know, content they've created in other systems and most likely Microsoft Word. And uh, rather than recreating those things, you know, being able to open that in Google Drive, we've been able to do for, for quite a while now, but the fidelity is not always there. There's, you know, little things that don't quite look the same. And mm -hmm. so, you know, being able to have checkboxes is one, as well as some of the other updates that I know we'll talk about here, which will allow for that transition to be so much smoother and to have, you know, your Word documents either converted into Google Docs or at least be editable in Google Drive and look the way they're supposed to. It's a great segue into our next update which mm -hmm. is exactly a thing that makes like cuts down like half the steps uh, for this process. So and it hasn't quite popped up for everybody yet, but there is a new uh, the ability for you to save an image that's sent to you in, in an email in Gmail to save that automatically into Google Photos, which was not an option before. You always had, um, when you looked at your email and it had an attachment, if you hovered over it, you had two buttons. You've got a download button and a save to drive button. But now there's a third save to Google Photos button, which I think is great. I'm always telling people to use photos as a way to, to back up their photos personally, to share albums of photos out on social media. Like that's 
one of my favorite things to tell people to go to. So to make that a little bit easier, I'm pumped about that update. So that's coming soon. I've seen it personally, um, but not everybody has. So it's got to be coming out here within mm-hmm. the next week or two. And I, and I really like the fact that Google is moving in this way where it also syncs up with their screen recording and their snapshot tool built into Chromebooks. Because I know uh, we, we've spent so much time with that workaround of how do I take a screenshot? How do I take a snapshot of something? How do I take a little picture? And having that built in is awesome. And then partnering that with just sending that to somebody you're working with and they can download that directly to their Chromebook or computer or laptop, whatever it is. It really does make it an easy process for kids at any age to use those tools, which I think is is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, we can jump down a little bit here. Eric, you've got a couple that you added to to the list. Go sure ahead thing. and jump on one of those. So one of the things that has rolled out, again, at least for some, I've, I've seen this, is uh, the ability now when you add an image to a Google document to have some additional text wrapping features that include putting the image behind the text or in front of the text. You know, we've had line breaking and inline and that type of wrapping, uh, but this we have not had. So in the past, if you wanted to have an image that was behind the text or in front of the text, we would get creative and again, do workarounds. You would go to, uh, we would insert a drawing into the document. And in the drawing, we would put the text in front of the picture and then we would insert that. So it's kind of like a, uh, you know, an image and text inside of a drawing, inside of a document, kind of like a technology turducken. And we just, you know, kind of put that all together and get that it, as a workaround. And finally, never, that's that's yeah. not the case anymore. It never looked right for me when I tried. No, 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 no. It doesn't. It doesn't. Right. It did no. not at all. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we, we want to have this interoperability between Word and Google Docs. And that's one of the things that would not preserve. If you were to take a Word document and bring it over, that that was not that parity there with them. Um, I'd say probably a big case use of something like this would be like if folks were students making a brochure, making a poster, making a flyer. And so what do you do? You go to Google Slides, you go to Google Drawings, and you, which is still a wonderful option because you have Absolutely. so many controls in there. Right. Uh, but now a little bit more of an option if you say, you know, okay, we we can now do this in, in Docs. We can put images in front of text and behind text, you know, watermarks as well would I guess be another good example of that. Although I don't know how many people use like, you know, draft or something like that sure. as a watermark. So, so we do have that, which is nice. Um, uh, and then um, another update that has, has come out is when you're in a document or a slideshow or a spreadsheet, there's now a new little button in the top right-hand corner. It looks like a blue up arrow, and it allows you to share that to a Google Meet that you're in or even one that you're not in yet, but that you, you know have listed um, as an upcoming meeting where you've got the join code for. And, and really, you may say, well, but we've always been able to do that. We've always been able to be in a Meet, click on the you know present button, and find the tab that has the document and present it. But that's the point. You have to find the tab. And so this is more of a push rather than a pull. So the idea is if you've got the document open, rather than from meet, clicking on the present window and being like, oh, okay, I've got, I have three monitors. You know, like I've got three monitors. I've got all these windows, all these tabs. Okay, hold on a second, guys. Let me find the document I'm trying to present to everybody. Instead, I can have the document open, click on that little blue up arrow in the top right corner and say, I want to present that to my meeting and boom, it presents the correct tab for you over there. So it's just, 
it's not like new ability. We're still presenting a document, but it's just cutting down that frustration, which is the last thing somebody needs when you're trying to, again, teach an online course or, yep. you know, work with students remotely right. to be fiddling around, trying to find the tab that has the thing you want to share. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. It's going to cut down on all that fun conversation where people are like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to share my screen now. I know. <laughs> like, I know. Dead silence. Yeah. And I then know. like, okay, I can know. you guys see my screen? Like, you're always wondering, you know, the is there anything they have on the screen that's going to show up you know, <laughs> right. during that yeah. time? It's like, you know, up no whammies, no whammies. You know, what's, what's going what's right. to show up? Like, hey, Dave, <laughs> thank you for the vacation photos you're just sharing with us, but... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you know what's you know what's funny about all these things? I was just thinking in the back of my head about what we were instructing our teachers to do in the pandemic. You know, so a big thing was always, um, especially with these docs updates, is was we like docs, but we want to make these digital worksheets. And so one of the things that few teachers were doing is they were using slides to do that. You know, so you change the orientation of the page, you make it fit what a piece of paper is, you can do to blah 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 to add images or text in there, and that's kind of making that. Uh, irrelevant you know you can you can move away from that now and it's a little bit easier to do to to make that shift yeah Absolutely. which is, should be happening anyways we get away from worksheets well that, that, that's another podcast that's another podcast <laughs> yeah. idea. absolutely well and again i mean yeah i my opinion is there's always a place for everything i am definitely not one of those people who is uh, going to get on a soapbox and say, you know, you're a bad teacher for using right. a worksheet. Do I think we right. need to be doing other things? Absolutely. We need all sorts of creativity and higher level thinking skills and all that wonderful stuff. But there's there's a place for a worksheet. And you're not a bad teacher if you're using one, if right. you use it well, you know. So yeah. uh, I'm glad we've got you know, a lot of cool tools like TeacherMade and things like that that have popped up to mm -hmm. help people uh, do that better. Absolutely. Um, there are a couple of other Google tools that are, are updates that are coming soon. They were announced at Google I.O. a couple weeks back. And so just keep an eye out for these. Um, in Google Sheets, they're adding a what they call a timeline view. So uh, maybe it's social studies class and you want your students to create a timeline. There's a lot of great tools out there for making timelines. This will be one more. In Sheets, you'll be able to create columns with you know the start date, the end date, the important information about that event. And then just like creating a pivot table or something like that, you'll be able to create a new tab that's a timeline tab that'll take all of that and convert it into an interactive timeline. So I'm um, excited to see how that can be used for student projects. Um, and then the last thing that I saw coming new with uh, Google in the future here that they mentioned at IO was what they, they called them table templates. Um, I think another place I saw them called um, uh, something else. Uh, what was the name they gave to it here? Let me uh, double check. I think I've got it here. They also called them um, building blocks. Okay. Well, either way. Um, so what they are is inside of Google Docs, little templates. Like right now we can go to file new document from template and make an mm -hmm. entire document from a template. These are like mini templates. They're like table templates. And they've got one for brainstorming, one for a project roadmap, one for meeting notes. And so while you're in a doc, you'll be able to go to insert these building blocks and choose like the brainstorming one. And what it does is it'll create, you know, 
the whole template inside of the document you're in right now. So it's not replacing everything, but it's sticking that in there. And the brainstorming one was really cool. It was like a table where people could fill in their ideas and it had a, vo a voting column that was interactive. So they could click oh, wow. on it and upvote things. And so it's really neat. They're not just, oh, hey, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's a table that's pre-formatted for you, but they have uh, interactive elements to them as well. Wow, so that's, that's cool. See that when Did that they give out. a? They didn't give a timeline on when that was coming. No, out. made it sound like fall probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, they demonstrated it live at I/O. So I mean, right. they I've seen a video of it, um, and it's really slick. Um, looks looks really nice. So I mean, they've got it working internally. Um, I feel it was probably more of like a fall release. That's cool. That is cool. You know, my, my wife works, uh, I said before, my wife works in ed tech. And so um, she, she, a lot of times will bring different ideas and how they use the tools as well, because, you know, we, we're thinking of like using meet, for example, of meeting with our students, you know, to check in, Hey, how you doing? Or teach a virtual lesson or do something like that. But, you know, they're using Google meet to work because they're all remote. They're working remotely. And so to hear those uh, building block, those uh, templates that they're pushing out, that sounds very similar to the ways they're trying to, work around with their tools to make it work at their, you know, business. So uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to hear that. I'm going to, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to have to tell her about it because she'll be excited about that because they're always thinking of different ways to replicate the workspace virtually. Yeah, I think Google's really jumping into that business, the business yeah. world. I think that's kind of the direction and, and we're getting sort of the offshoots of a lot of those in education, but it seems to be their focus right now is how how can they... I don't know, overtake Microsoft as the as the big office yeah. platform. But I don't know. We'll see. And, and again, it's always interesting to see what what comes down the pipe uh, at each one of these announcements. And, and next is coming up. Um, and so we'll hear something from them, too. So I don't know. It should be interesting. One last quick update um, uh, before we move on. Um, and I just happened to see this uh, the other day on Twitter. There was a, a Harvard a study posted on why it is that, or I guess a study on what will help prevent people from sharing out information before they find out whether or not it's legitimately true or false. So like, mm. what is it that sort of causes people to share fake news? And um, so they did a bunch of, of practice studies and basically all it took to keep people from sharing things that could have potentially been false is a reminder that people, I have to th think, the best way to write this, or I guess what I said it, um, to keep people from being distracted while they read it. It was like misinformation is spread more often um, because people are distracted than from just actually being ill in intention. So like they're getting on Facebook or getting in YouTube or getting wherever, and then just hitting share before they even really think about it, because I don't know, a picture was distracting or whatever. So and just so, like scrolling and then yeah, clicking share, basically. Clicking yeah. Share. yeah. But a reminder before you share these things saying, Hey, you know, most people consider it important that you actually share true things instead of false things. Like literally that was the statement. Like people say it's more important to share true things than false things, which makes like a lot of sense. But apparently that totally kept people from sharing things that could have potentially been false. Sure. It seems stupid. But so YouTube is starting to um, they're testing these prompts, which are like basically the ads before video that are just sort of like tips. Hey, make sure that this information is true before you share it. You know, hey, maybe you should check out where this information came from. And people can click through them like we can all the ads after five seconds. Right. But they're wanting to see if this keeps particular things from being shared 
um, you know, without having any sort of background information. So I thought that was really sort of an interesting way of looking at why it is that false and fake news gets spread so easily. And it's not necessarily because people are, you know, they're wanting to spread fake news, but it's more that, I don't know, they're just distracted and hit share before they think about it. When you throw that big headline up that catches your eye and then you, you know, you're immediately like, oh, wait, this happened? Yeah. You know, and I like to hear that those tech companies are are wanting to be proactive with that because I think it's easy to bash them. I mean, it's easy to bash a monolithic company like Google or YouTube or Facebook or Twitter for their, you know, whatever you deem to be, you know, a poor business practice or a poor use of information. I totally get that. But I mean, it's, it's not like it's one person. I know it's easy for people to say Mark Zuckerberg's a bad guy, but it's, it's not like he runs everything on Facebook. You know, they're trying to be as responsible, I guess, as they can. And I kind of like that idea. I don't know if you guys like uh, John Oliver ever on HBO. He was a daily show correspondent. Oh, okay. Back in the fall, he did a, uh, special. He did like a 20 minute special all about conspiracy theories. And uh, just to throw this out there, my, my uncle and my uh, cousin and my brother-in-law all worked in, in the department of defense, uh, the NGA, they work with drones in the military airspace. So flat earth is a huge thorn in their side. They, oh, they do not like that. It drives them crazy, you know? And so, so my uncle, he's getting close to retirement. So what he does at night and he, we're going to have him as a guest on here and he can talk about this. It's hilarious. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's an assistant director for NGA for the department of defense. And what he'll do is he'll hop on flat earth Facebook groups and we'll just, uh, engage in conversation. He's not argumentative, but he explains the physics that, you know, the science of why, like if a bullet shoots it, it doesn't just tr- fly straight. Why the ballistic star that the bullet drops over a certain amount of distance. And, uh, so John Oliver, had done a thing about conspiracy theories I had shared with them. And he quotes that Harvard study in that. Cause when you shared that I was reading it and he explained how that misinformation, mm-hmm. if you it's, it's all just due to distraction. Right. You know, he talks about how he even brings up a point where he has a YouTube channel where you can share a video of him that you could share to a loved one. And it was just him saying like, hello there. You know, maybe it's a good idea sometimes to stop and read an article or watch a video to the end because, you know, because it's it's not <clears throat> it's not about talking down. It's not about yeah. lecturing. It's not about hurting people's feelings. You know, it's just about take two seconds and watch right. the whole video. Kind of interesting. Right. Absolutely. Well, and it's all part of, you know, I mean, digital literacy is such an important thing with our kids. And I, I mean, as much as I love the term digital literacy, it's, it's more like just don't be an idiot on the Internet. Like that's kind of how we should sell it. Like, here's how not to be an idiot on the internet and just be nice to people and don't share crap. That sounds fake. Like that's, right. I, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to it. I, I would, <laughs> I would say if, if your workshop is don't be an idiot on the internet mm-hmm. and then Eric does the technology turducken, I think we're in business. So <laughs> that sounds good. Actually, all this discussion reminds me of a, uh, uh, a feature that Gmail used to have. So I'm dating myself here a little bit, but uh, Gmail used to have what they called labs. Now there's an advanced Mm -hmm. section that's taking the place of labs, but they used to have a lot of labs and they kind of cleaned house over time, but they had one that was called Google goggles. 
That was the lab oh, in Gmail. Yep. And the way it worked was if you turned on the lab before you could send an email, you had to do a math problem to prove your clarity of thought and competence. The idea being that if you had been maybe on one too many ed tech distills <laughs> uh, and you were, you know, dealing with some Google goggles from that, yes. um, you uh, had to prove your clarity of thought before you could send the uh, Gmail wow. message. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful if we employed that on all things such as oh, before man. you could post something about the flat earth, you had to do some trigonometry uh, or <laughs> something before before that happened. I, I mean, I don't know. That might be putting setting the bar too high for, for all of us. Yeah. It's been many, find, many years. Find since the area of a sphere. Yeah, as as right. well. Um, nothing to fear but the sphere itself. Uh, uh, that's right. I don't know. I, flat earth, um, it's one of those things that's like a train wreck I can't look away from. I have, uh, I will admit, I have gone down uh, holes uh, just watching untold numbers of flat earth videos and debunking <laughs> videos, just staring, going, is this a joke? Is it a joke? Is, yeah. you know, what is happening here? You know, and it's not healthy enough to pull myself away from it. Um, I, I mean, when I say that this has been a topic of conversation in our family for a couple of years, it has been because like every Christmas and Thanksgiving pre-pandemic, our, all of our discussion would revolve around um, how do you help yes. these people move yes. away from it? My brother-in-law was a combat veteran in the army. And so ballistics were a huge part of his job, you know, and um, it just like hurts their brain. And as a, and I was a science teacher for a long time. And so like, right. I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like when, when you start getting into like ice walls and how the government's not going to let you go to Antarctica and it's just like, I know it's, I know. it's something else. I know. But. Uh, we, thankfully, we, I, I've not dove into that into that rabbit hole yet. I try to avoid it as much as possible. The social media conversation is another conversation we are going to. Well, there's have. there's a wonderful movie. It's still on Netflix called Behind the Curve, um, and they're doing it's a documentary about the flat Earth movement, and it's really enlightening. Oh. Um, it's if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth a watch. It's really enlightening added to well, my list well and and some of those guys have gone as far as wanting to disprove like nasa scientists to developing their own rockets and launching them and that's I know, included in the documentary yeah, and i know a few people have actually like blown up that rocket and blown yes, themselves up so that is correct yeah I they mean, do they do cover that yeah which is it's pretty it's wild stuff you know but i'm adding it uh as soon as i finish startup then i'm gonna be i'm gonna be all over that startup yeah there you go awesome well you you want to get some questions so, with our guest here? Yeah, gee, because we already knocked out uh, you know a good half of the podcast here. So, uh, so again, I know we, we're well beyond introductions at this point, but Eric, um, we did kind of want to sort of chat with you, and sort of the the focus of this episode is really just sort of about um, you know how do you keep up with sure. the ed tech updates as they as they go on. Before we get to that, like how'd you get to where you are now? It was just sure, a little quick sure thing. Absolutely. So I've been in education for 29 years, uh, just finishing up my 29th year. Um, started off as a middle school math teacher, taught middle school math for seven years. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I also loved technology. And at that time, we were just starting to get some ed tech in the schools. I'm, I'm in Ohio. Um, and so this was back in see seven years into teaching would have been 1999 i started in 92 um and uh we got this thing called schoolnet plus which put a bunch of money into the schools to get internet connectivity and computers 
in our school said, well, hey, we probably need somebody to help with the use of these, you know, um, let's create a position, which now we would call a tech coach or something like that. They mm -hmm. called it a technology specialist. And I, it was a great match for me. And so I went from uh, teaching kids to teaching teachers. And I've been doing that ever since. I, I was at that district for um, 21 years total, uh, seven as a teacher, 14 as a tech specialist. And now the last eight years um, or so, I guess I've been at a regional service center here in Northeast Ohio, still serving that same school district, but serving about 35 school districts um, in this area, just doing professional development, just helping basically teachers use technology in creative ways for teaching and learning with a focus on the Google tools since all of our districts are Google districts. Um, so that's my day job. And then I'm um, on the side, um, I run the site uh, controlaltachieve.com. That's my blog where I share all of my, you know, blog posts and videos and templates and projects and things like that. Um, and so that's uh, kind of what's brought me to where I am right now um, and loving every minute of it. That's awesome. It's funny how the stories are all so similar. Almost they really are. everybody we talk to that ha that's in ed tech right now in this kind of position, you know, taught first. There's very few people who were either in the business world and then have moved yeah. over or, mm -hmm. you know, were in right. IT first or whatever. Yep. Um, it's, I feel like you got to have a teacher background in order to really um, understand where teachers are coming from. And I, Dave and I are both in the same position. I taught high school. Uh, Dave taught all over the place. Um, and so we... Uh, yeah, we're, I mean, it's the same story, but so, so you've been doing this now for quite a while in the regional, um, yeah. in the regional capacity. And I have to say EdTech, uh, or I'm sorry, Control Alt Achieve is one of my like go-to blogs. It's been that way since Correct. I started this job. Yeah, it's um, fantastic. Not this job, but the job that I had before this. Um, so it, I've been stealing your stuff for years. So uh, I appreciate so. it. <laughs> it's totally fine. That's what it's there for. I mean, you know, that could be a whole other discussion on its own about people doing like teachers pay teachers and stuff like that. And that's, that's its mm. own whole thing, mm -hmm. uh, whatever. But uh, um, I, I'm of the philosophy that, um, you know, anything I've ever created, it's not unique. It's not original. I've been inspired by somebody else. I guarantee you, I saw something, I heard something, um, and I'm just putting my twist on it. And you know what? You put your twist on it, take it and run with it and do cool things with it. And uh, in the end, it just means more students get to go home and say, I did something really cool in school today. So, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I have to say, you know, just from a, my personal experience, uh, last March, uh, my birthday, actually, the 16th of March was our last day with kids in person. And then we went remote for the pandemic. But uh, shortly after that, my superintendent had reached out to me and same situation. Hey, look, we're we're going one to one in August and we need somebody to help our district do this. And so I got moved to a similar position as that. But, I, you know, I, I had been teaching for 14 years math and science middle school and junior high. So, you know, and, and again, I had the Google background and the whole thing and, and moving there. And so at first I was like, yeah, this sounds great. And then I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Because it's one thing if you're teaching sixth graders or if I'm teaching myself, but you know, when you have pre-K to 12 teachers and you know, yeah. and uh, your website was my biggest inspiration for everything because I would read something and be like, Oh my gosh, I can do this. Yes. This is something that I can share. I always gave credit though. Uh, I know that's big, Absolutely. but I, I recently just that's did great. a, 
training session with a bunch of our uh, littles teachers, and I used uh, a few of your activities on oh, there. Yeah. And uh, I made sure I told them, I said, look, guys, this is not Mr. Lurch's, although I'd like to tell you it is. It's not. This is totally uh, Eric Kurtz. And uh, he, he's he's our, like I said, like you're uh, like Master Yoda for me here to kind of uh, using your stuff. So it was it was uh, kind of a neat moment. And I think we all appreciate you doing that for us, because I would guess if it influences the two of us, I can't imagine the uh, thousands of people it influences as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate that very much. I'm glad, so glad to hear it's been helpful. You know, the things I create for the most part, um, you know, I'm creating them for the schools that I, you know, support here locally. And it's like, hey, if it helps them, why not help everybody with it? So I'm glad to hear that. That is Absolutely. really encouraging. So without sharing any like secret tips or tricks or anything, how, how do you keep up with all of the changes and everything new? Sure thing. I mean, I think everybody's going to have their own, you know, tools that work best for them. Um, for me, the bread and butter of it for me is a tool called Feedly. Are you guys familiar with Feedly? Uh, so Feedly is, do you remember Google Reader back yep. in the past? And if not, that's okay. Um, Feedly is what kind of filled that void when Google Reader disappeared. So uh, for those who aren't familiar with this type of a tool, um, most all websites that um, post periodically uh, support what's called RSS, real simple syndication. And most blogs will have an RSS feed, basically a link that is formatted in RSS format. Um, and the idea being that you can follow or subscribe to whatever terminology you, you want to use uh, blogs using their RSS feed if you have an RSS reader. Well, Feedly is such a tool. Now, the free version allows you to follow up to 100 blogs, which is pretty good. Um, I'm over that now with the amount that I follow, so I do pay for, but it's really cheap, really, really cheap. I pay for like the, the premium version of it. Uh, but here's the idea. What I do is over the years, and I've got several blog posts on my Control All Achieve where I list these are the blogs I'm following, you know, because if I like it, who knows, maybe you'll benefit from these as well. Sure. So over the years, anytime I come across any new site, I take a look at it and go, oh, this is a great blog. This this teacher sharing some neat things. I'm going to add that to my Feedly. I'm going to add that to my Feedly. And mm -hmm. it just keeps building. Now, here's the idea. Instead of trying to go to a hundred different wonderful EdTech blogs and be like, well, I wonder if Joe did something new. I wonder if Sue did something new. I wonder if, you know, no, that's silly. We don't have time for that. I just go to Feedly. When I go to Feedly, it gives me a list of all of the latest blog posts from all the blogs that I follow. And I can put them in categories and I do. I've got an EdTech category and I've got a Google category and I've got different things like that. But when I click on, for example, the Google one, here's all the headlines from every Google blog I follow. If I go to the EdTech one, here's all of those. And if I click on any one of the headlines, it expands out and shows me that blog post. And if it's like, oh, that's cool, then I click on it to go out to the blog, read it thoroughly and process it. And so I try to once a day, not always, sometimes it's every other day, sometimes it's, you know, a couple of days later, I finally get to it, I go through and I know I'm not going to have to worry about missing anything. I can go back, you know, 10 days, 30 days, as far back as I need to go, but hopefully it's not been that long. And I can just start clicking down through the headlines. And, you know, maybe every one of them is not something that's going to make sense for what I'm doing. Um, like with the Google ones, some of them times it's just like, oh, here's an update to, you know, the Android phone. And it's like, oh, that doesn't really, I, I don't need to share that with the EdTech community. Sure. But as I go through those, they're like, oh, that's a cool one. I like that. And so immediately I will then add it into, you know, 
for example, our Google Educator group document that we do for our um, meetings each month in Ohio, I'll add it to that. Um, if it's um, something that I think is, is worthy of sharing out at that same time, I will tweet it out. Um, and then I also use Pocket as another social bookmarking tool for myself. Um, and I will a lot of times save things to Pocket because I can tag them in Pocket. Um, and so usually that's my process though. It, but the funnel that brings it all together is Feedly. I can just go to one place and know that I'm going to have, you know, a hundred of the best ed tech blogs just sitting there waiting for me to go click, 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 click through. And then again, like I said, if I find something good, then I do my best to tweet it and put it in, you know, pocket and things like that so that I can uh, have access to it in the future as I need to. Now, of course, I get updates through other things too, but that really is the core. I, I, I listen mm -hmm. to podcasts. Um, you know, I, um, I watch, you know, there's great YouTube channels I subscribe to. Um, I pay attention to, you know, Facebook and Twitter and stuff, but really Feedly is my bread and butter where yeah. it keeps me in line with everything new that's up and coming. I feel like I feel like a magician just was like, here's how you do this. Here's how I cut her in half. That's a that's a that's it's a not great that difficult. Idea, I pay eight dollars yeah. a month and I can cut her in yeah. half every time. That's right. So that yeah. looks awesome. Well, so okay. So I as I was going through your site after we scheduled this, um, and I saw the the post that you had in April mm -hmm. um on the um uh, all the, the blogs that you like 75 followed. favorite there's a bunch of them. Yep. Right. And there's the yeah, blog right. and then there's the RSS feed. Yes. And as I am starting to dive into RSS stuff because of the podcast thing. Um, it's making a little bit more sense. I do a lot of coding. Uh, I build web applications and stuff like that. So I was thinking the RSS feed would be something I could kind of, you know, mess with myself. It's a little bit different. Uh, the code is, it's a little bit more like HTML than it is like yes, that JSON. Is correct. So I'm starting to dive into it, but this is a perfect way for me to kind of, to jump in. So again, learning things from Eric Kurtz. It's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, we just don't have, we don't have time. No, <laughs> There's so no. many good things out there. Yeah. And so this yeah. brings it yep. to you. You don't have to go out to it. It comes to you. And, I, you know, I'm sure other I people spent, have ways that work. That's what works for me. Yeah. Sure. I, I think I spent like two hours going through my, all of my bookmarks of blogs that I follow. And right. I got maybe two interesting ones out of there. One of them was yours about all the other blogs. Right. So I'm like, I need to expand my blog list. Right. But like, I mean, it took me forever. This this will save a ton of time. So that's yeah. awesome. Well, and the a other thing, it, well, and the other thing it does is I think that a lot of people have that fear of missing out. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, with sure. the with what the young people call FOMO. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you, eight year old daughter. And uh, <laughs> so. But I think a lot of people do have that, especially if you're trying to support a group of teachers or a group of people, sure. you know, and uh, and one thing we talked about last week uh, was just the fact that it seems like in the ed tech world, everybody is really communal. You know, it, I, it's pretty rare that we've run into somebody who's just not willing to share. You know, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like everybody's kind of like we're in this together. And I don't know, you know, and, and we talked about this with education before, too. I think education is very much an art. It's not necessarily as much of a science as people want it to be. And I think that because it's an art, it's individualized. And so the way that I'm going to teach is going to be different than what you do, Eric, and what Adam does. But ed tech's a little bit different. And so that communal aspect to it just makes it awesome, you know, and th those connections. And uh, 
and uh, that 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 kind of makes it special. And so uh, this is uh, an amazing tip. And I, uh, if you have not already gone to Feedly.com yet, you need to do that right now. Yes, because I was just looking at it a second. Ago. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I uh, well, and I think too, there's a lot of there's a lot of competition too. I think in in this part of edtech too, where everybody who can be the first one to tweet out the newest feature. I mean, we even we even saw it earlier. I thought I was cool because I had the meat, you know, the new UI for me. But like. So there is an element of competition too, which I also think as people are like, all right, it's already been tweeted. This new update is here. Then they start getting creative. And that's where we start to see people are like, Ooh, okay. Right. So we know this update. Here's a cool twist on that. And that's the stuff that I think is, is mind bending. And I love, that's one thing, right. again, another great resource is Twitter uh, for those types of things as they pop up and people are saying, here, look what I did for my classroom and stuff like that. So it's very cool. So, all right. So we know where, you're from we know how you got there we know now how you're keeping up with ed tech we've totally <laughs> stolen this tool yep, and we're stolen. running away with it Excellent. um and i'm gonna start a new website called control shift <laughs> amazing i don't know i gotta come up with something <clears throat> so have at it <laughs> yeah, right. That's great. totally fly. I'll, I'll add you to my feed link <laughs> there you go <laughs> it'll I change just, repost your posts so yeah he'll just be, he'll, just... he'll change his name to eric dirts there instead and so <laughs> everyone will be like wait a minute yeah and i'll have to grow a beard which i can't do so that's just that's not ever going to happen no and same so so what are we all working on something new and different where everybody's doing something new uh and i'll start with eric you've got something big coming up so we'll go ahead and talk about that yeah so for my day job um we run a conference each year and it's going to be virtual this year, um, which understandable. I think most are still mm -hmm. just playing it safe and going, you know, let's just get through a little bit longer. Um, so what we do this is probably the year 15 or so that we've done this conference. And um, the place I work for is called Spark with two C's instead of a K. It's an acronym for our counties and stuff around here. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have the Spark EdTech Conference that's always like a back to school kind of a conference, uh, usually the first Friday in August. And it is, again, this year, it is virtual. And because it's virtual, it opens up so many possibilities for people to participate. So first of all, mm -hmm. it's free. It's always been free, even when it was a face-to-face -face conference. It's always been a free conference. Um, but because it's virtual, really anybody can participate from anywhere, uh, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, so, um, to, if, if somebody we can, I'm sure there's show notes I can, uh, I can throw Absolutely. up a link into there. Um, but it's a uh, conference.apps.spark.org. Spark is S P A R C C. Um, that'll get you to the site, but we can put the link somewhere too. Um, we uh, do have registration open. It's free registration. Uh, call for proposals have sort of officially closed, but it's always a soft close. So, you know, I'm, I'm always good about because, again, it's virtual. We, we can we can have lots of people, you know, so um, we're if somebody has something cool to share, um, I would still encourage people to consider uh, submitting a proposal uh, to present at it um, and then definitely sign up for it so that when August 6th rolls around, you could take advantage of the live sessions and then for months to come watch the recordings as well, because there'll be a lot of them that aren't live. A lot of them will be pre-recorded and you can just watch 
when it works for you, which I've loved. Mm -hmm. I've missed the face-to-face -face conferences. For sure. My goodness, I've loved being able to cook dinner and just have, mm -hmm. you know, a ISTE session on that yeah. I never would have been able to see otherwise and watch that. So, so yeah, so that's coming up. So definitely uh, plug into that if, if you'd like to. I uh, I'm I miss the in-person conferences. I can't mm -hmm. wait for those to start happening again. Uh, the virtual has been tough for me. I I get too easily distracted. Mm. Um, would be nice to just be able to cook dinner and watch a conference. That doesn't work. I always end up watching something else. But that's my fault. So I'm ready for the in-person where it's forced and I got to be there. And then I sure. can hang out in bars with people afterward. That's like my favorite part. Yes. Well, so in like two days, I have to do a workshop for our regional office of education. And it's the first time I've done an in-person workshop in 18 months because mm -hmm. everything's been virtual, you know? Yep. And uh, so I told my wife, I got to go take my blazer to the dry cleaners. And she's like, you need to make sure that thing still fits, Dave. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. boy, shots fired. I'll yeah. check it. It fit. It fit good. I don't know what she's talking about. <clears throat> I know. I, I know. I put on the COVID-19. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm Trust me. I'm a lot more fluffy than I used to be. <laughs> yeah, me too. I got I got a, I was walking my dog. I'm like, God, you, you need to keep walking seriously. This has been like 15 steps. I You're like, this dog back. has gotten faster. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. So Dave, what are you working on? Well, uh, so I originally was going to talk about how I've been looking into, so I'm a huge music buff, massive music buff. And, um, of every couple of years or so, my all time favorite band is U2. And so, uh, every couple of years, I'll get back into U2 really big, and then I'll just go down this rabbit hole of U2 style bands. And I was going to talk about my vinyl that I've been looking at getting. Um, I've been wanting to buy some 80s uh, new wave and goth band vinyl for our collection. And we have the weirdest vinyl collection ever because I have like the Joshua Tree mm -hmm. by U2 vinyl like box set. And then I just bought the Sisters of Mercy first album, which is like no one listening to this knows who that is. So it's fine. <laughs> oh, I but, Okay, thank yeah, you. For sure. But what I'm actually now looking at is because our school year is officially done is I really want to get back in a drone flying. Mm. Um, so I have a cheap hundred dollar drone I got off Amazon and like one of those prime day deals. Yeah. And uh, my wife and daughter are my wife in particular, I think being uh, remote with her job has really it's really attracting her to do more hiking, get out and you know, kind of walking more and, and go check out nature and nature trails. And so um so for a an activity I did with her, with my, my daughter's uh, choir group, I helped with a drone that did some filming, and that just kind of re-sparked my interest in it. And so now I'm looking at buying a new drone. So nothing as cool as setting up a mm. conference, but yeah. I'm just listening to obscure 80 rock, 80s rock bands and flying drones. So. Well, <laughs> that sounds exciting too, though. Well, it sounds it? like you should submit a proposal about the use of drones and education. Yeah, it oh, has. man. It has sparked a new interest, hasn't it? You just it's, said oh, it. oh, slam dunk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can we throw a sound effect in yeah, there? I don't know if we have that or not. For sure. I'm going to forget, though, and we won't do it. Like some NBA Jam yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah. NBA Jam would be great. I uh, Well, okay, so I have two things that I'm going to work on. For one, I'm installing uh, ViewSonic flat panels in our school district. Our school district is, has had smart boards for 100 years, and they're terrible, and they're falling apart. So we got, with the new you know, money that's come in, uh, thanks, thanks to COVID, uh, we were able to replace those with really nice new interactive flat panels. So that's kind of a new thing for me. I came from a school district that had nothing, had projectors on walls, 
to a school district that had projectors on smart boards, which was kind of new and different. And now this is totally different. So I'm, I know that I'm going to be just exploring and spending time watching videos and stuff like that. So something new and different for sure. And the other thing that I'm starting to learn is how to, how to code video games. So yes. that I can't do at work. Uh, I, God, I wish I could, but I can't. Um, so that's what I'm doing at home is I'm starting to go through. There's, uh, there's a great website called replit, R E P L I T.com. That's basically, uh, for anybody who codes, it's a, uh, it's basically an online coding environment. You can use pretty much any language in existence and they've built a JavaScript platform for building easy games. Just like you mentioned, like, like NBA jam, but like more back a few steps, like the old super Mario and Zelda and things like that. But it's a great way to get into, um, you know, video games and stuff like that. And that's one of those things I've always wanted to build. My web apps are boring. I want to add something you know, fun and exciting. So that's the next project that's on, that's on my list while I'm not doing flat panels, but anyway, that's what's going on with me. So I'm sort of excited, something new and different, but the conference, when uh, you said this is in August 6th, August I 6th. Forget. Yep. Yep. First Friday in August, August 6th. So a great way to welcome in the school year. It really that's is. That, that's the idea. We're just hoping that by then folks will have had a good chance to just get a break and yeah. kind of get refreshed. And we just want to start them off solid and say, hey, you know, yeah. hopefully this will be encouraging for you for a new school year. And you'll pick up some neat new ideas as you head off for the new year. Yeah. Well, you can always count on great and great ideas uh, over there from the uh, the GEGO in Ohio as well. You guys do a great job. Yeah. I feel like you're one of the more active GEGs in the country. Yeah, I agree. Um, even even with the growth of the global GEG and Stephanie, everything that Stephanie right. uh, does, she's pretty amazing too. It's like that. Oh, that my goodness, yes. Uh, we're talking about Stephanie Howell, by the way, from, yes. uh, from the global GEG and the GEG Ohio. Well, I guarantee a GEG Ohio wouldn't be what it was without her. I, yeah. I mean, I set it up originally like seven years ago, and I've always been involved in it. Uh, but uh, her organization has helped bring us to a new level. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I am I may be good at the talky-talky and thinky-thinky creative things, but my goodness, she's that and organized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, she's so pretty amazing. Appreciate it. <laughs> yep. She's on our list to be a guest here as well. Yeah, <laughs> and she should be. We're gonna. Yeah. Be. we're we're excited. We're, we're excited. just gonna glean all these amazing, uh, you know, attributes yeah. from all these people. Uh, we're excited. Um, but before we uh, before we sign off, we do have to have that final conversation. What are we all drinking this evening, Eric? What are you drinking? Yeah, so I'm drinking what is called a bourbon smash, uh, craft cocktail from Southern Tier Distilling Company. So this is a distiller out of New York, um, like far southwest corner, um, very close to Pennsylvania. So from where I'm at, probably about two hours away. I'm in Northeast Ohio. Um, but what they they do is they create these craft cocktails and they've got a wide variety of them there on their website. You can pick them up at, you know, local stores here as well. Um, but this bourbon smash is fantastic. Um, I, I'm not sophisticated enough to really just be like, oh, I'm going to sip on a bourbon and just really understand all of that. I, <laughs> right. I've actually taken a bourbon tasting class. I went to one up by Cleveland and it was informative, but I just, I, I, I'm not that cultured. I'm not that advanced in it. I like things with little umbrellas in them and lots of flavors <laughs> and stuff. And so this is bourbon, but they mix it with ginger, 
mint and lemon, and they make this really neat craft cocktail out of it. Sounds it sounds so good. Delicious. It does sound good. It's fantastic. It kind of yeah. sounds like a Moscow Mule, if you ever had it a does. Moscow Mule mm. before, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Love, 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 love yeah. Moscow the, be the, yeah. the best drink. Oh, absolutely. And the best cup to drink. A drink. 100%. Oh, sure. Love those Mule cups. Aren't those Co copper mug. Yeah, oh. that's a game changer. Yeah. Well, on the topic of cu uh, cool cups, in my uh, Hallmark cup, I've talked about this Hallmark cup before. Mm -hmm. There's nothing on it now, but my wife did get this from Hallmark, and then I put it in the dishwasher on accident, and so everything came off of it. And so it's just a plain wine glass now. This is a good old-fashioned Captain Morgan and Coke. Adam likes to make fun of the, <laughs> that choice. I do. <laughs> but it, oh, and, and great. That, I don't know. That joke has run its course now. I'm going to have to come up with something else. Okay. I don't know. It's fine. Rum I always feel like a, a pirate when I, when I drink rum. I, 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 I do. feel like a pirate. I love it. It's... I do. And I get it. It's good stuff. It is good. Adam, is what about good. you, buddy? What are you drinking? Uh, I have a uh, I have a craft bourbon. Uh, I, as, as we're just doing a couple craft things tonight, this is called the Ghost Rider uh, straight bourbon from a local distillery here in Collinsville, Illinois, uh, called the Old Herald. So, again, we'll put that up. They they do some really great bourbons, and their, their agave spirit, which is basically tequila, is, like, delicious and drinkable. Like, I don't like tequila, but mm -hmm. I can sit and sip that. And because it's it's tasty and uh, and it doesn't kill you, and it doesn't like <laughs> end your evening too early. Sure. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Stuff. So they're a great distillery. They got great food and everything too. So I'll throw information in the the show notes for that as well. But Eric, uh, again, we're we're almost right at about an hour. Um, this has been an awesome, awesome hour. Fantastic. Really appreciate yep. you taking the time out of your busy schedule because we know oh, you've got a billion things going on. Uh, and I'm sure you've got a blog post that you're writing as we speak right now. <laughs> I, I uh, think I think I heard the the typing <laughs> the of the typing. keys going too. Sorry, just trying to do a little multitasking. <laughs> yeah, right. That's well, his no. true secret. His no, secret easily and multitasking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I got to. I appreciate absolutely so much being on, and uh, more than anything, I also just appreciate the uh, just the the nice banter and casual conversation. A lot of times, you know, uh, we're, we stick to the same topics mm -hmm. and it's been nice to veer into other categories. It's, I've it's really enjoyed that. Thank well, you good. so much. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on here again. Uh, like I said earlier. Yeah. We appreciate you doing this because we definitely now we've got some, we got some beef to this podcast. Some legitimacy. Yeah, nothing against Matt or any of the other guests or uh, you know poor, other podcasts. Poor Matt, done. we just put Matt Well down. We did so. totally put Matt <laughs> Well down. That was not intentional. Um, it was not intentional. I he's a, he's in the inner circle though. He's fine. He'll be uh, fine. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's an Illinois guy. He's fine. I'll just edit that part out. We'll delete we'll, it. <laughs> but just put that slam dunk sound effect from uh, yeah. NBA Jam in there. Right. Well, this will be a good way to know if he actually listens to the show. He yeah, he doesn't. He's too busy. <laughs> He's, I know he is. Yeah, he's he absolutely not. is too busy right now. Uh, but again, let's do a quick cheers before yep. uh, we sign off. But cheers, again, gentlemen. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for talking with us, Eric, Dave. Uh, thanks again for everything that you do. Again, I'm Adam Geisen, Dave Lurch, Eric Kurtz. Uh, thanks for joining us. You can catch us here at the podcast on pretty much everywhere now that you get podcasts from Spotify everywhere. to Google Podcasts, to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher to. Uh, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Pandora, we're all over the place. So if you search for uh, EdTech Distilled, you will find us, and we will see you on a future episode. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.